the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some of you have a story that can impact the next generation, but you've let shame or guilt influence your use of your story rather than seeing it as a trophy of God's grace and using it for His glory. Serve and make a difference, and all of us can give and make a difference. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Someone said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you learn what you were born for. And Jesus is saying you, you were born to humble yourself. Jesus would even model this, and Paul describes it in Philippians 2, right, that he, being God himself, humbled himself in the form of a servant, even to the point of death, death on a cross. So Jesus lived a humble life, and he called us to live a humble life. What does it mean to be humble? He is a word which literally describes dependency or needfulness. He's saying you've got to get to this point where you understand you need him. Disciples were not there. They were thinking about their needs, but they weren't thinking about Jesus. What about you? Do you have a childlike faith? Have you committed your life to follow Jesus? Now, this is a good place for me to stop. Because after almost 30 years in ministry, here's what I've discovered. There are a lot of adults who don't understand the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ. Like the disciples We're assuming that to be great in his eyes, we have to earn or deserve his favor. So like the Pharisees, we make it about our religious involvement or the rituals that we've accomplished. Several weeks ago, I I had the privilege of baptizing a new friend who had grown up very, very active in the Catholic faith. He said, I knew all the rituals, I knew all the biblical answers, but I never understood that God wanted a relationship with me. So maybe you just need to be reminded today that no matter who you are, no matter what your past, you're a person like me that was born separated from God because of sin in your life. And that sin, if left undealt with, would cause you to be punished not only by missing out on God's best on this side of heaven, but you will be punished by spending eternity separated from him. But God does not desire that. That's why he gave us Jesus. You know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
That's why I like to say you're never more like God than when you give, because he gave us Jesus. Why did he do that? So that whosoever would believe or trust in him would have forever life. What it says in Romans 5, that God demonstrates his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all the anger of God for your sin and my sin, and he poured it on himself. And as a result, you and I have an opportunity to experience God's forgiveness and to come to him in a dependent needfulness and to let him lead our lives. If you've never taken that step, I want to invite you to do that right now. Would you bow your head with me right where you are? I first want to ask a question. If you know for certain that if your life ended today, you would spend forever in heaven, if you know that you've got a relationship with Christ, that you're forgiven and saved, I want to give you an opportunity to affirm that. And so right where you are, if you know for certain you've got that relationship with God and you're going to spend eternity in heaven, would you just slip your hand up right where you are and you can slip it right back down? Wherever you are, that's awesome. What a testimony. It's good for us to be able to testify to that eternal security we have in Jesus. But some of you weren't able to raise your hand. Or maybe you raised your hand, but you're not sure. Today is the day, I believe, of your salvation. Would you come as a child to Jesus? Would you trust him with a childlike faith? Would you give him control of your life? Maybe you would pray this prayer right where you are. Oh, Jesus. Just tell him, Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sin. I know you're living today. So I receive your forgiveness. And I commit my life to you. From this moment on, I'm going to live dependent on you. Thank you, Jesus, for this simple pathway of faith. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I want to give those of you who just prayed that prayer, wherever you are, a chance to testify to God's goodness in your life. So wherever you are, if you just prayed prayed that prayer with me and you now know that you have a relationship with Christ, because that's what the Bible says. These things are written, the things we're reading are written so that you can know you have eternal life. You've now come to Christ as a child. You can have that certainty. If you now have that relationship with Christ and you have that certainty, Would you just raise your hand right where you are, all across this room or other places where we're gathered in worship today? That's awesome. Welcome to God's family. It's the most important thing you could ever do. So Jesus, thank you for loving children, and thank you for wanting us to have a childlike faith. As we continue to look at your word, would you teach us how we can apply this childlike faith right where we are for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus loves children. Jesus wants us to have a childlike faith. 
And Jesus wants us to see children as he sees children. This is where Jesus gets kind of firm. Most of you know our daughter that we adopted. She was born blind, and so her hearing is is very intense. And even this morning, as I was studying and working on this message downstairs, she was upstairs, and her body clock didn't tell her that she got an extra hour of sleep. So she woke up, and I was telling her to stay in bed, and she kept talking, and I said, be quiet, Anaya. And you know what she said to me? Dad, you're being firm. She doesn't like it when my voice raises any. And so we're trying to teach her that that's to get her attention. Sometimes it's okay to be firm. Well, Jesus, in the midst of this discussion with his disciples, gets very firm. Look at the words again. In verse 5, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin... It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus gives a stern warning about getting in the way of those who are coming to him with a childlike faith. In fact, it's probably the, it, it's probably the darkest moment in the words of Jesus that we have. And it's much more, I I think, expressive of his emotions, even of that moment we think about where he went into the temple and he, he cleared the tables where they were selling things. And we think of him as being angry at that moment. Because what Jesus said is, yeah, you, you want to be great. Then you come to me like these little children have come to me, but let me go a step further. If you don't receive these children from coming and let them come to me, or if you keep them from coming to me, or if you cause them to stumble when they're trying to come to me, man, that makes me really mad. And he said, rather than dealing with me, you would be better off having the millstone of a donkey tied around your neck. Now, what's the millstone of a donkey? A millstone would be this large, round, carved-out boulder that was used in this press to crush either grain or nuts. The donkey would be hooked up, and he would go around the press, turning the millstone, which weighed hundreds of pounds, so that the crushing would take place. And so Jesus is saying, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble... If you get in the way of them running after me, it would be better that you die the most excruciating and painful and gross death that you can imagine than that you come in contact with me. Just let that sink in. Jesus says this is a big deal. Think about putting all these verses together. Adults can be the ones bringing their children to Jesus. That's what happened in Matthew 19. But adults can also be the greatest roadblock to a child's faith. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. 
It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. How can we be a roadblock? Well, let me just give you some of the common ones. Hypocrisy. Now, I don't like talking about hypocrisy because that's not an excuse for not coming to church because there are hypocrites everywhere. I went to Publix this week and it was full of hypocrites. I went to a movie a few weeks ago and the theater was full of hypocrites. Some of you went to a ball game this weekend. Hypocrites everywhere. And we say, I'm not going to church with a bunch of hypocrites. But what about this word hypocrisy? Here's what happens. Children see us put on our Sunday clothes. They used to see us take our Bible in hand. A lot of us don't do that anymore. We just look on our phones or something. They see us nod our heads and may even see us raise our hand when we sing. But then they go home and they see a different mom or dad. They see that we don't honor the things of God or that we don't treat each other with kindness and respect. Or worse, they see that we're flippantly disobedient to the commands of scriptures. And one after another of our children are saying, if that's what this is all about, I want nothing of it. Hypocrisy. But then there's misplaced priorities. Parents or grandparents who have idols instead of leading their children to Jesus. There's something I've been saying for a number of years, and I want to remind you of it today. It's parents, don't expect your children to prioritize the things they watch you marginalize. When you have things in your life that you put over that relationship with God, and they see you do that for 18 years, don't be surprised when everything in their life as an adult takes precedent over the things of God. Whether that be their sports or their gymnastics, dance, music. Let me just give you some facts. Did you know there's a 0.0296 chance that your child will become a professional athlete? There's a 0.0086 chance that your child will become a famous celebrity. But there's a 100% chance that your child will stand before Jesus and account for their lives. Don't sacrifice your children's eternal destiny on the altar of their or your present desires. Yeah, participate in travel ball if you must, but let them see that church is a priority. Our son Luke is a very smart young man. He's talented musically and 
going to be in a play this week at his school. He's, in a, he's a gifted athlete. And as he came up playing soccer, man, it was important for us to be there and cheer him on. You know, my dad's my hero. I miss him every day of my life, but, but my dad wasn't at my ball games. And so I, I kind of turned heaven and earth to, to be there for that for my kiddos. Man, I, I loved watching Luke on the field, but as he got older, his team, which would travel all around this state, they would begin to have games on Sunday. And this is what they knew from the beginning. If their game on Sunday is at a time it would keep us from being together at church, then Luke, one of their best players, wouldn't be in the game. And guess what? He's not bitter. In fact, Luke surrendered his life to ministry. He's running after Jesus. And his team, man, they wanted him there when he could get him. Parents, are you prioritizing the right things? Are you making a difference in the things that mattered? Misplaced priorities. And then there's missed opportunities. Barna Research says that 27% of youth group students, those who come to church, say that their family regularly discuss spiritual things or, pray, or prayed with them. That means of those who come to church, which think about any of our high schools. What is that? Is it 5%? Of those who come to church, only one in four say their parents ever talk spiritually with them or ever pray with them. How are we missing this? How do you correct this? You have teachable moments. When you see something wrong in society, you explain why it's wrong. When the news is talking about things that affect the people of God, you explain to them why we are pro-life, why we believe marriage is sacred between a man and a woman, why the things of God are important. Don't just tell them rules. Teach them scripture. Explain to them that everyone is valuable and created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. Tell them why you do what you do. And then have times of family worship or prayer. It's not hard. Just go around the family and pray. If there's two of you, that's two prayers. If there's three of you, that's three. Teach them that they can talk to God just as they're talking to you. I need you to understand that the church needs to be a place where your child is furthered in their discipleship, but the church is not responsible for your child's discipleship. In fact, if all your children get is what they get in a couple of hours at church on Sunday, you're going to lead them out into this world spiritually handicapped. That's why Lifeway Christian Research says that 66% of students who grow up in church no longer remain active after the age of 18. The church is not solely responsible, but we should be able to grow in our faith at church. So as a church, we must constantly be asking, are we doing whatever it takes to reach those that are coming behind us? 
I heard a story from a pastor friend that breaks my heart. He says there was an older couple in the church that were very unhappy. And he had an intent to try to help them in what they were dealing with. So he called them into the office and, and he said, I, I know you're not happy. You, you don't even come to worship and you always look mad. <laughs> what's going on? And, and the lady spoke up and said, I'll tell you what's wrong. When I was little, all I ever heard is how I needed to listen to the senior adults. When I went to church, it was all about them. We had to do what the seniors wanted us to do. Now I'm a senior adult, and all I hear is it's all about the children. We have to think about the children and do what's best for them. You want to know what's wrong with me? I'll tell you what's wrong. I want it to be about me. And all across America, churches are closing their doors because people have grown up and we've started to make it about us. I've got a newsflash. If you find a church that's fulfilling all of your desires, beware. They're probably not obeying all of his commands. It's not about you. We need to pray what we sing I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. We've got to do everything to make it easier for those who are coming behind us to walk in faith. Now, why is this so important? I think there's a statement that summarizes both of these passages and what Jesus was teaching us about this generation coming behind us. When we have a childlike posture, when we come to him in faith as a child, we can better see those who are childlike in their state, and that will help us make a greater impact for the kingdom. If we as followers of Jesus see children as Jesus saw children, we will always be bringing that next generation along. So what are you going to do? Well, start right where you are. I'm looking out to those of you I can see. There's a lot of you I can't see that would be in this same category. I've got grandparents and great-grandparents in the room. I've got young parents that are just starting on the journey. Make sure you've got Jesus' perspective. You've probably not heard the name of the diplomat Charles Francis Adams. You've heard of his father, John Quincy Adams. Charles Francis was a diplomat, and he recorded in his diary on a day that he took his son fishing. This is what he said. Went fishing with my son. Day wasted. But we also have his son's diary. And on that same day, his son recorded. Went fishing with my father. The most wonderful day of my life. It's all about perspective. Maybe you need to change your perspective. Some of you need to serve and make a difference. You need to get off of your seat and get involved being the hands and feet of Jesus in the lives of those coming behind you. Some of you have a story that can impact the next generation, but you've let shame or guilt Influence your use of your story rather than seeing it as a trophy of God's grace and using it for his glory. Serve and make a difference and all of us can give and make a difference. 
You can say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure there's a church to reach the generation that's coming behind me. I learned this week that in this city of our central campus, in Temple Terrace, the largest mosque in North America is being built. You want to know why we're doing this campaign? I think it's so that we can say to this next generation coming behind us, we're driving a stake in the ground. We're not going anywhere. As our community changes, we're praying that hearts change because we're doing this for Jesus. And it's worth it. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.